0: listening to the living room, living, north. Room north. Living, room living room north living room north podcast Hey, if we haven't met my name is lauren and i am really excited to be here with you tonight we're talking about something that i am really truly passionate about um, but i'm not going to take up a lot of your time because i want you to hear from our family ministry staff in just a little bit but tonight you might have seen on social media we're talking about serving and the importance of serving specifically in your church and i just want to tell you the why behind why we feel like it's important for you to do why it's important in your faith to be serving because sometimes it can kind of feel just like a box to check and i truly believe that it's actually way way more than that and when we view it as just a box to check we miss out on a lot and so i just want to talk about it just for a little bit like i said i'm not gonna take up a lot of your time but because of that i'm gonna jump right in, okay? Is that okay? So I was recently reading, or just finished reading, a book called Soul Keeping, written by John Ortberg. I really recommend it. It's a great book, but in that book there's a quote that I really hated, because you know when you read a quote and you're like, "Mm, it's a little too real. Wish I hadn't read that, and then you highlight it anyway, and you're like, but I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. But it really stuck with me, and this is what he says. Uh, John Ortberg said, the default mode of the sinful human race is entitlement. The belief that this gift or that experience that God placed in my path is rightfully mine. I am owed. And I read that and I thought, I'm not entitled. (laughs) Not me. I know people who are entitled. I know people, I know it drives me crazy when people act entitled, but (laughs) I'm not. And then quickly, uh, it had to be the Holy Spirit who was like, mm, wrong. And I started thinking about it and I thought, no, actually, I am, I'm pretty entitled. Maybe not in the obvious way that we think about entitlement with like, material things, but I, there are plenty of times where there's information being passed around. And I think I am entitled to know that. Or I didn't get invited to something and I think I am entitled to be invited there. I should have been invited there. Or I even think sometimes, well, I'm entitled to be selfish because it's my life. This is my life. And so I get to decide what I do and I'm entitled to do that and I am entitled to be selfish. And what John points to that I think is so important is that when we act out in that entitlement, entitlement will quickly spill over into every area of our lives, including our faith. And I think that is the most dangerous place for entitlement to live. Because when entitlement spills into our faith, all of a sudden we're thinking, I am entitled to know God's plan for my life because it's my life. I am entitled to get something from church every time I go because why else would I go? I am entitled to have all my prayers answered the way I want them answered because I know what's best for me. And I'm actually making God's job really easy if you would just listen to me. And when entitlement merges with our faith, we are in a really, really scary spot. And this entitlement is running rampant in our world right now, if you haven't noticed that. And all this entitlement will just lead to a consumer mentality, a consumer mindset. And our world worships a consumer mindset because we worship consumption and we worship entitlement. It's what you hear. It's what's advertised to you of this is your one precious life. So therefore, it's all about you. And we're encouraged to be selfish. We're encouraged to be self-centered. And there is some truth to that, that yes, this is your one precious life. And I hope in this life, you are happy, you feel fulfilled, you have purpose, you feel passionate about whatever you're doing. I hope that for you. But if we live this one precious life for us, we will miss out. And unfortunately, I have not found a verse that says, this one precious life is all about me. Because as followers of Jesus, it's actually the complete opposite that this life isn't about you, it's all about God, and it's all about serving Him. And so, if we are believers, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, entitlement and this consumer mindset and this self centeredness cannot live. It cannot. Be something that we hold on to. And so I want to look at a story today that maybe if you've grown up in the church, you've heard a thousand times, but I want to look at uh, something that Jesus does that I think we skip over, that I don't think we talk about enough, and I think it's really, really cool what happens in this story. So we're going to be in John, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6, and this is what... Happened. so Well, some context first. Jesus had just been ministering in the area. He had been teaching. He had been performing miracles, so he was tired. And scripture says he went to go rest on a mountainside. And this is where we pick up uh, in John chapter 6. It says, when Jesus looked up, so that he's resting on a mountainside. He's taking a break. The man is tired. But it says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? For these people to eat he asked this only to test him for he he already had in mind what he was going to do and so right out the gate i love that jesus who is tired from teaching from performing miracles sees a bunch of people walking towards him and i don't know if you're like me if i'm tired and I see a crowd of people walking towards me, I'm running in the opposite direction. I don't wanna be there, I wanna be alone, I don't wanna deal with this, but Jesus, because he's a lot better than me, looks up and says, well, how are we gonna feed them? How are we gonna serve them? How are we going to take care of them? And the best part is that he already knew how. He knew exactly how this was going to play out, but he invites Philip in. And so Philip answers him. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So Jesus, I know that you want to take care of these people. I know you want to feed them, but unfortunately, we don't have the resources. I don't have the money. I don't have the time to make that kind of money as quickly as you need it. So I don't know how we solve this problem because I, I, I can't do anything about it. And then another of his disciples, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So, okay, Jesus, we have a few things. I can give you a few things but come on, we know it's not gonna work out. Like, There's a ton of people here, this isn't gonna happen, but this is all I have to offer. So what does Jesus do? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Some people translate that literally, like there were only 5,000 people there. Some scholars believe that only the men were counted. And so there could have been thousands of women. There could have been hundreds of children. There could have been way more than 5,000 people, but at a minimum, there were 5,000 people. And then Jesus then took the loaves gave thanks, which I think is important to notice too, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. So I love that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly how everyone was going to be taken care of. And he could have done it in any way. He could have been like, everybody, reach in your pockets, bread. And it would have blown their minds. It would have been so cool. And the disciples would have been like, oh my gosh, he did it again. Or he could have gone Oprah on them and be like, reach under your chair. You get bread and you get bread. But instead, he brought the disciples into it. He invited them to be a part. And he provided for every single person there. And the disciples didn't get to just watch what happened. They got to be a part of what happened. You see, consumers spectate, but contributors participate. And the disciples could have, Jesus could have, let them just spectate. But here's the thing about spectators. I don't know if you've ever been to a football game. Uh, Unfortunately, I have. And (laughs) the people who aren't playing the game, who are just spectating, have a lot of opinions. They have a lot of thoughts. They have a lot of comments to make. And apparently, they're the smartest people in the room. I don't know if you know this. Uh, They know exactly what play should be played and what call should have been made and the ref did this and the ref didn't do that. And consumers who are just spectating often are just critiquing, right? They're just watching and commenting on what they would have done, how they would have done it, they would have made a better decision. But the contributors, they get on the field. They participate. They are part of it. They don't just critique, they try to make it better. They don't just comment and complain They're in it, and they're a part of it, and they're feeling ownership over it. Consumers can spectate all day long, but they will never feel the responsibility, the ownership, or even the pride that comes from serving because they're just watching. But contributors get to be a part of it, and I love that Jesus didn't just let his disciples spectate. He invited them to participate because he knew how much they could grow and learn from being a part of what he was doing, not just watching. And the truth is, is that Jesus invites every single one of us to be a part in what he's doing, not just watch. And what a gift that is that I think we take for granted. But what an opportunity it is to have our Savior invite us in. Because here's the truth. Jesus is going to work with or without you. Jesus is going to work in the hearts, in the lives, in the people around you, whether you help or not. But how kind is he to invite you in? How kind is he to let me have an opportunity to be a part of it? How kind is he to share it with us? How kind is he to let us use our life and our experiences to help somebody else? You see, maybe, just maybe, Jesus wants to use your life to transform the lives of others. And I don't know about you, but that changes everything for me. Because if I believe that to be true, I cannot just be a consumer. If I believe that to be true, I cannot be entitled. I cannot be selfish. I cannot believe that this one precious life is just for me. I can't do it. Because I'm doing a disservice. And I'm going to miss out. And thank God, somebody in my life years ago decided to participate because if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for somebody who decided to step up and participate. And I'm sure you can look back on your life and you can think of somebody where you think, thank God they didn't just sit back and consume, but they contributed and they changed my life. And so my plan as of yesterday, was to end it here, to wrap it up. But I, um, a really cool thing happened yesterday. where I. So I'm on staff here at Brownsbridge. I work with Transit, our middle school environment, and Inside Out, our high school environment. And the Inside Out team was meeting yesterday. And currently in Inside Out, our students are going through a series um, on First John. And so our team is reading through 1 John with our students, and we read 1 John 3 yesterday, and as we're reading it as a team, a a verse jumped out to me, or a passage jumped out to me, that I couldn't help but think about tonight. And I couldn't help but think about the opportunity you're about to have to serve. And I had to share it with you. And this is in 1 John, so written by a different John than the Gospel of John, and not John Ortberg, who the quote was from earlier. This is completely different. First John in chapter 3, and this is the message version, and this is what it says. Uh, he says, This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. He goes on, he says... If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. And that last part sounds a little harsh. And I want to be clear that he's not saying you lost God's love or you have to earn God's love. That's not what he's saying at all. But if there's an opportunity to share God's love and you don't step into it and you don't take it, that opportunity will disappear. And God will keep working, but you will miss out. And so what a gift it is to serve. And I think serving in any uh, area of your life is important. And whether it's at the church or somewhere else, I think it's important and I hope that you find Joy from that. I hope you find fulfillment from that. But I think there is something so crucial to serving at your church. And if you call Brownsbridge home, we want you to be a part of this place, not just spectate. We want you to participate. We want you to be a part of what God is doing here and God is inviting all of us to participate in what he's doing. So you're gonna hear from some of our incredible family ministry staff, they're gonna walk you through all the opportunities we have here at Browns Bridge and I hope that you feel led to join one of them and I hope I see you around more. But I really, really hope That you don't allow yourself to miss out on participating in what Jesus is doing. I hope you don't allow yourself to live in a self-centered place where you don't think about how maybe just maybe God is going to use your life to change someone else's because it's a gift.